And there are a lot of people that paid the ultimate sacrifice to lay down their life uh, so that we could be here today, so that we could sit in a room like this and we can hear the Word of God and we can worship together. And uh, that doesn't happen everywhere, but because of the freedoms that we have, we're able to do that. And I want to welcome those of you that are watching online right now. We are excited that you are along for the ride. And I want to, uh, last weekend we started a brand new series Um, our first Sunday back, called See the New. See the New. And I want to remind us really quickly of our theme verse for this series. And it's what we started with last weekend. It's Isaiah chapter 43, and starting in verse 18. It says, The Lord says, Forget what happened before, and do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I am going to do. It is already happening. Don't you see it? I will make a road in the desert and rivers in the dry Land. I believe that God is wanting to do a new thing, and the the heart behind this series is we're coming out of uh, this pandemic or COVID nineteen or whatever you want to call it, and things are starting to kind of resemble. I know there's still some differences. Things are starting to kind of resemble. If you drive around town, you can see some people out now, you know, and and we're kind of getting back in the swing of a few things. But I believe that God doesn't desire for us to go back to normal. He wants us to step into something new, something better, something that we need to embrace. And that's what we talked about last weekend was just this this idea that, that God is up to something new. And the question he's asking us throughout this entire series is, do you see it? Do you have vision to be able to see the new thing that God is doing? Or are you so focused on what you knew before that you already have plans to go back to what you were complaining about three months ago? Or are you ready to step into something new? I believe God's wanting to do something new. And so we talked about uh, that the new is an upgrade last weekend. And I want to encourage you to go back on the podcast. And you can listen to last week's message if you missed that. I believe it will be an encouragement. It's kind of an introduction to this whole series as well. And today as we continue our series, I want to talk to you on this topic. I've titled the message, Willing for Whatever. Willing for Whatever. Willing for whatever. Now, this title really came from a couple of different places uh, as I was thinking about the idea behind this message and this topic. Uh, One of those places was just on a practical level. Have you ever been um, out on a date, maybe with your spouse, or you've been doing something with friends, or and you had a conversation that resembled something like this, right? Well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't really care. I mean, I'm up for anything. I'll just do anything. All right, what about this? No, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) Well, I thought you were up for anything. You just said seven seconds ago that you were willing to do whatever. Or maybe the conversation went something like this. It was about food. Come on, you ever had this conversation? Well, where do you want to eat? Oh, it really doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm good with whatever. Well, what about tamale? Well, I don't really want that. Well, you just said you were good with whatever. You were willing to do whatever. And now you don't want that. So why don't you just go ahead and tell me what it is that you want. So we can just go there, right? And we do this all the time. And I was thinking about this, and I wonder uh, I, I wonder if God ever feels the same way about us sometimes. That we, we made that initial declaration of faith in Jesus, and we were like, man, we're just pumped up. We're excited. It's like, God, I'm willing to do whatever, whenever. Doesn't matter what you call me to do. I'm just all in until God started asking you to do stuff. 
And then so I think there's some sometimes where we're like, well, I don't really want, I don't really want to do that, and I don't really want to go there, and I don't really want to move, and I don't really want to stay, and I don't really want to, you know, whatever it is that God is asking you to do. And I think sometimes maybe God, uh, <laughs> maybe God feels like, well, you, I thought you said that you were willing for whatever, but when push comes to shove, most of the time we're not really willing for whatever. It sounds good on a, it looks good on a bumper sticker to say that you're willing for whatever. But are you really willing for whatever? And I want to start today in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, and I want to read verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to talk about this, and I want to give you three practical areas or seasons of your life where I believe God is calling us to be willing and available. And so this is what this is what Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 6. says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a very high throne. His, his long robe filled the temple. Heavenly creatures of fire stood above him. Each creature had six wings. It used two wings to cover its face, two wings to cover its feet, and two wings for flying. Each creature was calling to the others, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord all-powerful. His glory fills the whole earth. Their calling caused the frame around the door to shake as the temple filled with smoke. I said, oh no, I will be destroyed. I am not pure, and I live among people who are not pure. But I have seen the king, the Lord all-powerful. One of the heavenly creatures used a pair of tongs to take a hot coal from the altar. Then he flew to me with the hot coal in his hand. The creature touched my mouth with the hot coal and said, look, your guilt is taken away because this hot coal has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom can I send? Who will go for us? So I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah sees a vision, God in the temple. And, and he hears this question. God is asking the question, Who can I send? Who is going to go? Who is going to be my mouthpiece? Who is going to be the person that I can send to do what I need them to to do. And Isaiah's response is, here I am, send me. Whatever it is that you have for me to do, whatever it is you want me to say, whatever it is that you're calling me to do, I will do it. Here I am, just send me. I'm available. I'm available. And this, this first part of Isaiah chapter 6 is really the commissioning of Isaiah as a prophet. And so you can go on and read the rest of the book of Isaiah and all these things that Isaiah prophesies and that God speaks through him and things that, that were going to happen hundreds of years later. And this is where the, all of that started. But there's another commission in the Bible that you and I are commissioned to do. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28. And I want to start in verse 16. It says, The eleven followers went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. On the mountain they saw Jesus and worshipped him, but some of them did not believe it was really Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, All power in heaven and on earth is given to me, so go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you, and I will be with you always, even until the end of this age. So Isaiah was called and answered the call. My question to you today is, you are called, so are you answering the call, or what is your answer? And I'm not talking about the answer that you gave whenever you first 
you know, you were excited about Christianity, you were excited about Jesus, and, and just a little side note, I don't know why we get less excited about Jesus as time goes on than we were at first, right? We get saved, you give your life to Jesus, and you're like, I'm really for what, I'm just all in, and then six months go by, and you're just like, you know, yeah, I just, I serve Jesus. Yeah, I go to church, you know. It's like we lose the enthusiasm for it. Can I tell you today that what Jesus did for you is not any less significant 33 years later than it was the moment that you received it for the first time? There's still something to be passionate about. There's something to be excited about. There's something that God has called you and I to do. So what is your answer? Are you willing for whatever? Are you really willing for whatever? And and while we were, you know, having services just solely online, there was a couple of verses that I believe the Lord had stick out to me. And it was kind of this idea that there's going to be something on the other side of all of this that we need to be ready to work. We need to be ready to do. We need to be ready and, and, and prepared. And so we were trying to go through that while we were online. And this is where it came from was in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus said to his followers, there are many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send more workers to gather his harvest. I think, I think we're called to be a worker. I think there are, there, there are so many things that God wants to do, so many new things and powerful things, and he wants to use you and I to do it, but we're called to step into it and be available and say, you know what, I'm willing for whatever. Whatever you ask me to do, whatever you ask of me, I am willing even when it doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. Even when 2020, come on somebody, doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. I'm still willing for whatever. I'm willing for whatever. God is looking for some people who are willing and available no matter what. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes with the rest of our time uh, about kind of what this looks like in certain areas of your life. And there are a lot of different things we could talk about, but um, I believe there are three specific areas or seasons of life that God is calling us to be willing in. And he's asking the question today, will you be willing in that? Will you be willing while you walk through that? And so I want to start, there's point number one, you need to be willing in deficit. You need to be willing in deficit. Come on, is there anybody at church today or anybody watching online that you are in the middle of a deficit? <laughs> Something has happened with, with your career, with your job, with, with, with your family, with life situations, and all you can see right now is a deficit. And I'm not going to read this entire story for the sake of time today, but if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm right on this, I believe it's in Judges chapter 6 and 7 where it's the story of Gideon. And I don't know if you've ever read the story of Gideon and what God did through Gideon, but Gideon, while God was trying to use him, prepare him, talk to him about what he was going to do and what he wanted him to do, Gideon saw the deficit. Gideon starts off, the Lord comes to Gideon and says, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to go out, and you're going to defeat, I'm going to hand them over to you, and Gideon's like, why are you using me? i like, my family is the weakest of all the other families, so I don't know why you're even talking to me. And then as the story goes on, you can read it, and I would encourage you to read it in those couple of chapters. The army that's going to go do this goes down to 10,000 people. And then the army goes down to 300 people. And then, and then they find out, like, oh, and by the way, you're going to take trumpets and empty jars. And you're going to do something with those trumpets and empty jars that's going to win the battle. And it's like, all I see is deficit. Thousands versus 300. They've got weapons. We have jars. 
There is a gap here. And I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm in the middle of a deficit. And maybe you're in a place or a season where you see a lot of deficit. You see deficit in your business. You see deficit in your career. You see deficit in your health. You see deficit in your finances, in your bank account. You pull up your bank account online, and you're like, yep, it just says deficit right there. <laughs> and you're, you're experiencing a deficit. You're walking through a deficit. And I believe that God is asking you, will you be available in the deficit. Why do we always wait for things to turn around before we're available for God to use us? Well, whenever things turn around and whenever we get back to work, then I'm going to be available to God. Well, whenever things turn around and we don't have, you know, all of this stuff going on, then I'm going to be available to God. No, God's asking today, will you be available in the middle of your deficit, in the middle of your financial deficit, in the middle of your career deficit, in the middle of your business deficit, in the middle of the health situation that you've got going on right now? Will you be available in the middle of that? Will you honor God with the tithe in the deficit? I'm preaching now. (laughs) Will you honor God in generosity in the deficit? Will you honor God with your body in the deficit? Not when it gets better. Not when you see the fulfillment of everything that you believe is coming. But right now in the middle of a deficit. Will you honor God with your employees in the deficit? With your finances in the deficit? Will you use the deficit to show other people Jesus? Listen, are you willing for whatever in the middle of the deficit? Or are you waiting to be available until things get a little bit better? We've got to be willing for whatever. Come on, God's like, I thought you said you were willing for whatever. Even though you're walking through this right now doesn't change the plans that I have for you. It doesn't change what I've called you to do. You've just got to be willing and available in the middle of the deficit. And somebody, I believe, needs to declare that God is going to get the glory in my deficit. Even though I see a deficit, I'm willing for whatever God wants from me. God will get the glory in the deficit. And so here's number two. You gotta be willing in the deficit. Here's number two: willing in trials. Anybody walk through a trial? <laughs> you walk through something probably recently. Maybe you're walking through something right now. And I want to read to you James chapter one, verses two through four. This is what James writes. He says, "Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials." Which is crazy right off the bat to consider it joy whenever you're facing things. Whenever you're in a trial, whenever trials, you know, pop up here and pop up there, consider it pure joy. And then he tells us why we need to consider it pure joy. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. Isn't it true that a lot of times when we walk we're walking through a trial, we're walking through something. Something has happened. That we have a tendency to shut down and shut it off. Right? It's like, I don't even know what to do right now. I don't even know what to say right now. I've just kind of shut down. I'm not really doing anything. I'm not really saying anything. And I've just, like, emotionally, physically, everything, I've just kind of shut down because I'm walking through something. I'm walking through something. And uh, I think a lot of us probably even recently have been walking through things. And what do trials do? You've been walking through a trial. You've ever experienced a trial in your life. What do trials do? They test your faith. They test your faith. If you never experienced anything difficult, how would you know where your faith stands? 
if you never walked into in anything and had to actually activate your faith in Jesus, is it really faith? I mean, like, we're, I think a lot of times we're trying to get out of things that God's trying to use. And trials are one of those things. Experiencing trials leads to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And we would think, listen to me, we would think the opposite. So here's how we think a lot of times. If I can just get out of this, I'll have some peace. When everything is going great, I'm at peace. When everything is just working in my benefit, I have peace. If I could ever just get rid of this situation, then I would have peace. And I love how James flips it around. And he actually says, it's actually the trial that you walk through that produces, it tests your faith and actually produces in you inner peace. Inner peace. And it's something that God's trying to use. Listen, he's, he's, he's trying to use the trials that you walk through to produce in you an inner peace. To prove that he is trustworthy. To prove that he is faithful. So that your faith grows because you're like, wow, I just walked through that and God was faithful. God did a miracle. God came through. God never left me. I, I can trust in God and it forms an inner peace. Not the kind of peace that's surface level that when you're laying out in a backyard in a hammock, you feel at peace. Are you with me? Because that peace is based on what's going on around you. So when things aren't going good around you, you don't have any peace. And God says, no, listen, the, the trial is to test your faith so that it can produce endurance, inner peace. It can produce the things that you need in your life, that you need inside of you. The trial is not necessarily a bad thing, so we need to say, listen, I'm willing in the trial. I'm willing and available in the middle of the trial. We could say it this way. It's that a lot of times we're trying to pray away a trial so we can have peace, while God is trying to use it to reveal more of his faithfulness, which leads to a deeper inner peace. Too often we're trying to pray our way out of things that God says, if you'll let me work that in you, It'll produce way more than what you think you're going to get on the other side of it if you could ever just get it to go away. There's a purpose. That's why James says at the beginning of it, you need to consider it joy. You walk into a trial, y'all be like, "Woo!" <laughs> we don't do that. Consider it pure joy. Like, be excited. Woo! God's about to do something in me. I'm walking into something, there must be, <laughs> I must be doing something right. Consider it pure joy, willingness in the trial. Come on, God will get the glory in my trial. And here's point number three, the third area that's a little bit different than the first two, is you need to be willing in success. Willing in success. And maybe you've been sitting here, it's like, Gabe, I wish you would just talk about something positive. Will you talk about something positive? You're talking about deficit. I know I got deficit. You're talking about trial. Yeah, I've been walking through a trial. It's been a trial for the last 10 weeks. Here's, here's the reality. It's, it's one thing to say, you know what? In the deficit, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be willing. I'm going to be available. When I'm walking through something difficult, I'm going to reach out to God. I'm going to be willing. I'm going to be available. Whatever he's trying to do in me, I'm going to let him do it. It's another thing to be willing when everything's going your way. 
when you're experiencing success, what does it look like to be willing for whatever in the middle of success? Well, I want to read you about 10 verses in 1 Kings chapter 3. And this is about King Solomon. He's just become the king. And I love this. I think it's a beautiful picture of this point and, and something that we can learn from. And this is what it says. It says, King Solomon went to Gibeon to, to offer a sacrifice because it was the most important place to worship. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. While he was at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to him in a dream during the night. God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you were very kind to your servant, my father David. He obeyed you and he was honest and lived right. You showed great kindness to him when you allowed his son to be king after him. Lord my God, now you have made me your servant, king in my father's place. But I am like a little child. I don't know how to do what must be done. I, your servant, am here among your chosen people, and there are too many of them to count. I, in other words, the responsibility is great. I ask that you give me a heart that understands so I can rule the people in the right way and will know the difference between right and wrong. Otherwise, it is impossible to rule this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, You did not ask for a long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies. Since you asked for wisdom to make the right decisions, I will do what you asked. I will give you wisdom and understanding that is greater than anyone has had in the past or will have in the future. I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and honor. During your life, no other king will be as great as you. If you follow me and obey my laws and commands as your father David did, I will also give you a long life. Here's what's interesting to me about this story is that Solomon becomes king, and he goes to offer the sacrifice, and he offers way more than what was required. In other words, Solomon said, I have just experienced success, and God has been good to me, and so I'm going to honor him and give him even more. Even more than what's required, even more than what everybody else is telling me I need to do, because he has given me success, I'm going to turn it around and give him all the glory in the success. Too many times we experience success in life and we forget about God. Too many times we experience, we get a taste of success, something starts going our way and we forget about God. And this is what it looks like a lot of times. We pray and we seek God and we are begging God to help us when things are not well. And as soon as things turn around, we got this. As soon as things turn around, we don't pray like we did before. We don't read our Bible like we did before. When things weren't good, we were in the I mean, we were spending 3 hours a day praying. I need a job. I need something to turn around in my favor. We we don't know how we're going to make it. We don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. We don't know there's all we see is deficit. All we see is trial. And then whenever things turn around and we start to see some success, we have this tendency to forget about God. And we become more focused on the thing that God gave us than we do God. And because he gave us success, and He things started working in our favor, now we don't feel like we need him as much. But when the next bad thing comes around, we'll go back to him. And God is asking today, will you keep the same heart that's turned toward me 
and the same passion to be willing for whatever it is that I ask you to do. Whenever you, whenever things were not good and you were like, whatever you need me to do, whatever my part is, I'll do my part so that you can do your part. I'm just willing for whatever. And then we get in success and God's like, well, you keep that same attitude. What does that look like? Well, you, you, you're, you're, you're making it in this area. And then all of a sudden you get this prompting of the Holy Spirit like you need to, you need to do something different. That now God wants to use you over here. Are you available? Or do you like your success more than you like following after what God wants? Are you available in whatever? I think about Abraham. Abraham gets the promise from God, which is a son. That everything is going to... that. you're just not even going to be able to count how many descendants are going to come. And this is going to be the son that the promise is through. And then God turns around and says, will you give him up? Would you do something different if I asked you to do something different? You finally experienced the son that I had promised you. And you finally got him. And now I'm asking you to lay him down. Are you really willing for whatever? Or are you just willing if it fits what you want to do? If it fits your agenda? If it fits your will rather than God's will? Are you willing even in success? I believe this is something that God wants you to know today as you step into new things and maybe begin experiencing new success in areas that I believe is coming. And God is asking the question, will you keep the same heart of willingness to follow me even in the seasons of success. When I start start to bless you, will you remember me? Are you still willing and available in the blessing? We don't want to forget about God when things start going well. We want God to give the glory. Here's, get the glory and Here's, here's, I think, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I want to read something to you. I'll go ahead and bring the worship team back up. I think the disconnect sometimes and why this is difficult is because we become more focused on us and what we have going on than we do God getting the glory. Everything that God gives you, he gives you so that he can get glory from it. God is in it for the glory. How can more people know that he is alive? How can more people realize that he loves them? How can more people... God is trying to use everything in your life so that he can get the glory. And whenever we, whenever we get so focused on the thing or the situation or the trial or the deficit or the success we're experiencing, sometimes we forget that this is all for his glory. This isn't about me. This is all about him. And when we remember and we keep our focus on the fact that this is all for, this is all for his glory. So even though I see a deficit, I just want God to get glory. So even though I see a deficit in this area or that area, I want God to get the glory. So how can God get the glory out of this? Even though I'm walking through a trial, this is difficult right now, but I just want God to get the glory, and I know that he's going to get the glory. Somehow, through all of this, he's going to get the glory. Somehow, somebody's going to come to know him, or something's going to happen that's going to change somebody's life. He is going to get the glory, and even in the middle of the success and the blessing, how can I use this to give God glory? 
how can I remain willing and remain available for whatever it is that God asked me to do? It's by focusing on the fact that this is all for his glory. No matter what you walk through, it's all for his glory. No matter what you face, it's all to bring him glory. It's not about me. It's about him. And what he wants to use through me and allows me to do and allows me to work there and allows me to own that and allows me to speak to you and allows me to raise those kids and allows me to do all these things. Why? So that he can get glory. So he can get glory. I want to read this to you and then we're going to sing. I read this a couple of weeks ago and felt like it was appropriate to share with you today. It says, what does the future you look like and do? You were called to create. You were made to bless. You were created to rule. God's purpose in creating mankind is that mankind would rule over the whole earth. The earth was created by God and it was made pure and good for God's purpose. But when sin entered and disrupted the goodness that God created, he sent his only son to die for mankind to be able to give them that opportunity to rule once again. Men and women are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men and women. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men and women who the Holy Spirit can use. Men and women of prayer, mighty in prayer. God works through us, weak vessels, earthen vessels. The question is, are we available? Are we available? Never underestimate yourself. If you're a child of God, the Great Commission is all yours. The disciples understood this, and so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Will you stand to your feet today? Can I say it this way? God's not looking for a different method. God is wanting to use you as the method. To tell people about Jesus. To do life together with other people. To grow together with other people. You are the method. You are the method. I am the method. God's not looking for better methods. He's looking for faithful men and women who will accept the call and who will do what he's intended for us to do all along to be his mouthpiece and I want us to and this may seem weird to you and if it does that's okay but we don't always do this but I feel like there's something today there's power in declaring things out of your mouth and so there are three lines that I want us to just declare together. We're going to do this a few times, and then I'll pray for us, and we're going to sing one final song, and then we'll be dismissed today. But this is it, and we're going to put it on the screen. It says, I am the future. God has chosen me. I am available. Can we say that together? Just say, I am the future. God has chosen me. I am available. I am the future. God has chosen me. I am available. The question today, are you available? It's not whether or not God wants to use you. You're the method. You're the vehicle. 
But are you available? Even when there's a deficit, are you available? Even when there's a trial, are you available? Even when when, when you're, you're walking in the blessing and you're walking in the will of God and everything seems to be going your way, are you still available? That if God was to say, I need you to do this, that you would do it? Are you available? So God, today, your people all across this room, Lord, I pray that we would be available. That we would not be so consumed with the things that we walk through or the things that we have or what we know or what we can see that we miss out on being available. God, today, I believe that all you're asking for is availability. You want to use every person that is in this room if we're available. So today, we declare in faith that we're willing for whatever. Whatever you ask us to do, whatever you call us to do, whatever you tell us to do, whatever prompting we, we, we experience from the Holy Spirit on Monday when we wake up, we'll, we'll, we'll obey that prompting to call that person, and we don't even know why. On Wednesday, we'll sit next to that person at lunch that we feel like we're supposed to sit next to, even though we don't know why. Why? Because we just want to be available. We just want to be available. God, I pray as we sing this last song before we leave that you would remind us that even when we don't see it, you're still working. Even when we don't feel it, you're still working. You're the good shepherd. You're continuously leading us if we'll just follow after you. So today we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.